Welcome to the Agony Cast once again, where we are improving culture through friendly competition. And this week's contestants are uh, Nathaniel, the creepy guy in the bus who maintains eye contact for too long. I am the former Illinois governor, 2003 to 2009. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the way that this works is we say our first name, and then you say the line. Both of those things are pretty crucial. Okay, so I'm Lars. Okay. I'm Ryan. I'm the curator of the late Kim Jong-il's Daffy Duck collection of memorabilia. And I'm Jeremy, better known in some circles as El Punto del Diamante, the point of the diamond. <laughs> uh, Long-time listeners uh, will know that uh, we have two rounds in our game. Uh, we start with the two-minute win-it round. Two-minute win-it wherein each contestant will get an uninterrupted two minutes to respond to a uh, previously known prompt. Uh, this time it looks like the prompt is, what is the best superhero movie yet filmed? Uh, let's see, Nathaniel, you're first in the order. Take it away. The obvious choice, as we shall see, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live-action 1990 masterpiece directed by Steve Barron, also known for the music videos for Michael Jackson's Billie Jean and the AHA's Take On Me. Barron's post-human film weaves together youth culture, eco-criticism, the media, technology, and the animal to create a morality play for our age. These superheroes, these turtles, are children born of technological and environmental malfeasance. Teenagers raised literally in the excrement of the world, these hybrid heroes in a half-shell surf on our shit. <laughs> not a failed experiment, not born of an alien peacekeeping force, not even driven by revenge. They're an accident, a ridiculous accident. While set in the 90s, this film yet speaks to the present. And the film picks at this origin story like a scab. Their leader is a robotic mutant rat, scarred by a past the turtles have no part in. This rat drags these turtles to and from karate practice like an equal parts terrified and bored suburban parent. They are taken in and befriended by an aspiring media personality looking for a big story. And they team up with an emotionally unstable vigilante whose weapons of choice are discarded sports equipment. He beats villains to a pulp with what the turtle should be playing with. And their mission is to save similarly marginalized youth from joining and coming under the sway of another ninja master. Basically, these turtles fight to save teenagers from the life they are being forced to live in the sewers. They are superheroes in short, in the wake of the baby boomers and their excess. Unwanted, discarded, and mutated pets... These turtles don't want to save the world, which is a desire born of hubris. They just want to save themselves and eat pizza. Thank mm. you. Mm. Yeah. Good so response. Nathaniel, is part of your critique that uh, Master Splinter is a tiger mom? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Damn it, I just should have said that. <laughs> What's the mechanical part of Splinter? He's just a robotic, you know, he's just... He's clearly he's a, not a, a robot he's in the story. He's just <laughs> his he performance in robotic. You mean uh, an affect? Uh, not in special to be affect. Clear, I said robotic, not robot, Lars. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that is confusing because there are cyborgs and straight up robots in that. Right. That's true. In <laughs> Lars's <laughs> defense, 
I think that your analysis would have been even richer had they included Krang yeah. in yeah. the film, well, the disembodied brain. Yeah, who is kind of a cyborg. Yeah. Okay. Depending well, on where we draw the perimeter of the skin bag. Right. So or, my analysis is bad because they left out a character. <laughs> Yes, that's correct. Get some square. I brought this up. No, that's, that's that's correct. Yes, that you more analysis for because you didn't account for a character that was not included in the film. Listen, we put that rainbow on our logo. We put the you know purple triangle or whatever it is. This is supposed <laughs> to be a safe space. I'm sorry for betraying you. I think the triangle is supposed to be pink. That might be part of the problem. Well, on that uh, hate crime, I think it's <laughs> Lars's turn to give us his two minutes. Uh, my choice is, uh, I think, also obvious, but I, I guess not. When it comes to most successful, I think the question is what's most successful in the theater in which you're viewing it. And for me, that has to be the Sam Raimi film Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Uh, because if uh, if you watch it in theater, as I did, you hear something from your fellow moviegoers that you've never heard before, and that is the sound of being betrayed. Uh <laughs> It's a, it's a progression from shock to anger and then being completely overwhelmed by the end. So if you've forgotten uh, the, the terror of Spider-Man 3, this is the third, of course, in the Spider-Man trilogy by director Sam Raimi, known uh, you know previously for other better movies. Uh, but the first two are actually pretty solid, right? So it seems like they have a fair plane heading in, uh, and then <laughs> Spider-Man 3 is an overlong uh, wreck of a film uh, that, among other things, features three uh, full-length song and dance numbers. <laughs> um, and so, being in the theater, initially, Mary Jane starts singing like in the, the second minute in, right? And so you hear people saying, oh, this is a kind of a surprise, but I guess she's a singer, that's what she does. And then, about two minutes after she starts singing, you think, well, they're just going to it's just going to be the whole song. They're just going to let her sing the whole thing. And there's disappointment, but then it gets back to the film. And then uh, a little while later, um, Spider-Man gets this black uh, costume and uh, this new emo haircut. And then he uh, has a full so uh, song and dance to Fever, uh, the jazz standard. And at that point, you start hearing the sound from your fellow audience members that sounds something like that, like, like this angry hiss that I'd never heard in theater before. Other structural problems include Thomas Hayden Church as the Sandman, worst villain ever, uh, and uh, Venom, of course, the boogeyman of the Spider-Man franchise in comics, being played by none other than Topher Grace, uh, sort of beanpole, uh, you know, teen hero who uh, who's, who does everything terribly. So uh, between that and uh, the, you know, the great facial expressions um, of uh, you know of the Green Goblin Jr. Um, James, what's his last name? James Frank. James Franco. Uh, I yeah, had that I tattooed say, on my thigh. Yeah, that's right. Just in case, yeah. For when you, when you bring his name up at parties, you have to sort of yeah strip and then make sure that you remember who it is. Uh, much easier than carrying a cell phone around. Um, yeah, Spider-Man Three is my choice. I would have to say that the terror of Spider-Man Three would have been a great title. Because yeah. you would have thought that it's right. like, ooh, that sounds intense. Mm -hmm. Like, man, that's a, a throwback. And they're like, oh, no, it's it's a terror to watch. <laughs> right, right. It's the actual that the terror is possessed by the film, not in the film. It's a burden, yeah. I mean, I think that Sam Raimi must have just been so upset at his audience that he 
you know, decided to foist on them a film that feels like trying to make a good movie, but not doing it. I hear that, that that's kind of apocrypha, that he was um, trying to get out of that, or that was his last mm. one, and he was like, I don't want to do any more of these, I'm out. At some point, he, he I heard him, he was quoted to have said, if I'm forced to make a movie that features Venom, I'm going to quit. And I think this may have been a video form of his resignation letter. <laughs> well, I have to, because that was right after Thomas Hayden Church was in Sideways. That's right. And I was really excited because, you know, I, way back to Wings, I've been a Thomas Hayden Church <laughs> fan. Even up until All About Steve. Yeah, I've which was a Thomas loaded Hayden show. Fan. I thought you were just a Wings fan. <laughs> just all Wings. I like to eat Wings and watch Wings. <laughs> That's what I like to do. Bonus points if you can give us a few bars of the uh, theme song to Wings. Yes. <laughs> I think I it's the theme song to everything. I'll, I'll take Something that. in that vein. Yeah. It's you know, music with the plane taking off and landing. Roy Biggins, Aerobus. Yes. Oh, that poor yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. He Lars, was fat. That's why the, it was called Aeromass. His airline. And his name was Biggins. Yes. Tony, Tony That's Shaloub? the joke. Yeah. Oh, Tony Shaloub. Come yeah. on. Ryan. Yeah. Fart noise. Actually... Are we talking? Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Welcome to our Wings fan cast. Yeah. <laughs> Remember how it's first names? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan is revealed as a Wings fan. <laughs> I don't want people to know that. Yep. I'm gonna well, try best to episode that. of Wings, guys. Best yeah, episode. Best episode. Yeah. Let's save that for the fast round. Lars, I have a quick follow-up. Um, what does Grantland think about Spider-Man 3? Yeah, that's a great question. Not enough HJs, I think, yeah. Yeah, if I'm mistaken. Uh, too few British suicides. Right. Well, and I apologize unreservedly for violating your uh, um, uninterrupted two minutes there, Lars, but this will be an evening of violations. Uh, no, that was so Ryan, why don't you take the next uh, turn here? No problem. Well, so this is a great question, and I interpreted a superhero movie to be a movie inspired by a comic book which featured a crime fighter. Um, and, you know, there are really, to me, there are two movies that transcend the comic book genre, which are The Incredibles and The Dark Knight. But I'm not going to talk about either of those movies. Instead, I thought of it this way. Comic book movies bring out the kid in all of us. So how would sixth grade Ryan answer this question? And I think he would answer it as follows. <clears throat> the best comic book movie ever is Dick Tracy. My dad rented Dick Tracy from the library. And I watched it eight times in 48 hours. It has an actor in it named Warren Beatty who I've never seen before, but watch for him, because he's going to be in a lot of movies after this, because he is great. And there are other really good actors in it, like Al Pacino and Dustin Hoffman and James Caan and Kathy Bates and Catherine O'Hara and Dick Van Dyke, who have never been better, ever in their lives. This is their best work. And what I love about it visually is it only has three colors. Yellow, red, and green. Those are the only colors in the movie. And I just think, who needs more colors than that? Those are the only colors that you need. And Madonna is in it, and Madonna wears black underwear at one point in the movie. And she tells Dick Tracy, I am wearing black underwear. That's one of the lines. And when you're 12, that's a significant moment in your life. And there's a scene where Dick Tracy gets stuck in cement and has to shoot his way out. And it was amazing. 
And also, you talked about music in comic book movies, Lars. I don't know why that would be a critique, because Dick Tracy has the best soundtrack I've ever heard, including the song Back in Business. Back in business and overnight. Well, all right. Business is just dynamite. Let the good times roll. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, 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 wow. I cannot imagine a better comic book movie, though I'm really looking forward to seeing The Shadow with Alex <laughs> I think that might be even better than this one. I think we got a few bars of the theme song to Wings there. <laughs> very, very similar. <laughs> I really have a pretty limited range. Uh, quick quick point of fact, how did you know the underwear was black, given it's not, that's not one of the colors of the <laughs> It's actually green. <laughs> tells you that she's well, wearing she tells black you. Well, she'd have to tell you because... <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you think that's either green or red or yellow. <laughs> that doesn't explain Dick Tracy's response of, what's black? <laughs> <laughs> are, were you, are you colorblind? <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed that Dick Tracy made it onto the force, being as colorblind as he is. Yeah. Ooh, in social commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I meant that as like in that scene in uh, Little Miss Sunshine when that guy can't be a fighter pilot anymore. I actually meant no social commentary whatsoever because we don't do that on the Agony Cast. It's as though society does not exist. And the entertainments which we consume. Too late and too soon. Ryan, that uh, review may have just been called The Only Movie I've Seen by Ryan... Fart noise. (laughs) (laughs) You're breaking your rules. Fart noise. (laughs) These are all getting getting late. The only person who has... The only person who doesn't screw this up is Lars. Fart noise. <laughs> <laughs> this is all just going to be five minutes of fart noise, oh which is normally what we do can anyway. We use like That's a, how my name is pronounced. <laughs> like yeah. Missy Elliott, can we use elephant noises to bleep these out? <laughs> yes, please. I think those are back in her most recent music video. They should be. Okie doke. Uh, so it uh, then falls to me to finish us up here. Um, Jeremy, Jeremy. Yeah. Fart noise. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that easy to bleep these out. Of here. <laughs> I'm going to say that. I'm going to count myself in again. <laughs> All over again. Uh, so it falls to me to uh, finish us out here, which is good because uh, I'm going to go off the uh, reservation here. And I don't mean Great. that racially. I mean, like your forefathers. Making. Theater reservations, then breaking them. So, what are we even talking about here? Uh, to make a judgment, it's helpful to articulate what this form does. So, the obvious men in masks and capes, women with anti gravity breasts and synthetic textiles, too often mistake trappings for techne. Such works are essays without thesis statements, cargo cult summaries, hoping that purpose will emerge from appropriate costuming and pantomime. For all the rightful dismissal of the superhero as a kind of arrested objectivist fantasy, uh, which seemingly underpins the upcoming Batman versus Superman movie. It's a figure that only works in context. Superman's own shifted geographical origins address this, as do the old comic Normal Man, which is about a planet peopled entirely of superheroes, save the titular character, and the short film Singular. 
I don't mean uh, just the pablum about uh, responsibility that comes with advantage. I mean points before dissonances come into forms of harmony. So there are some interesting takes on this. The film Chronicle, which of course is just a westernized live-action Akira, uh, gives it a shot. Hancock has an interesting premise. And My Super Ex-Girlfriend, which I inexplicably have on DVD, actually hides a terrifying statement about the real fear of stalking and personal relationships gone sour inside of a horrible, horrible movie. The Incredibles, which is a better Watchmen than Watchmen, is a contender for this title, although it cleaves principally to family dynamics. But this is the paradox of the superhero, right, which is completely lost on Stanley. Hyperbolic power makes things less potent, of course being on a curve that approaches omnipotence corrupts. Or we might more accurately say that it separates ethical frameworks so significantly that they no longer overlap. So we need to focus down to small differences within systems. So here, less substantive fare, such as Kick-Ass and Boy Wonder, make an appearance, as does a real candidate, Unbreakable. It's micro-focus on slight variation, and its implications on the personal, the familial, and the social are productive. However, the, two, the touch of the supernatural here is a mark against it for me. Such is also the case with Groundhog Day. Now, this is an unconventional choice. <laughs> Hear me out. It's the criteria. Here we have a demigod repeated, uh, who repeatedly attempts to make minor but potent adjustments to one small geographical area over a fixed duration. Nevertheless, it's focused on self-perfection and its status as a Buddhist parable wherein one can only progress by relinquishing desire reaches too far into personal atonement. There must be stakes here beyond the self, and the problem is never as easy as just letting go, right? The superhero can never let it go. Even an action is a choice with consequences. So that leads us to our actual answer here, which is a film that is realistic in its depiction of slight slippage between individuals and contextual infrastructure, one in which the superpower, such as it is, is iterative and circumscribed rather than transcendent and grandiose. It's one in which power has literal, not just metaphysical, costs and imperfections. As one main character says, there's always leaks. Sick, because that's a grammatical mistake. Uh, of course, I'm talking here about Primer. You mean the 2004 science fiction movie? Uh, the one that's not a superhero movie? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a superhero movie. Who's that voice? Oh, sorry, Jeremy. <sighs> a small engineering abnormality. It doesn't blast anybody with gamma rays, but it gives two colleagues the ability to kind of time travel. The film then traces the effects of this ability as the men reverse engineer the analog situation of a minor crime, using it first to quotidian personal advantage before one of them decides to expand his purview. It's the best superhero movie because it's the believable one. It reveals that there are superheroes all around us, little small shifts that deframe context. It interrogates but doesn't answer the quintessential question of what now? And that's my answer. Boom. Nice. <laughs> so what was, the list, what was the list you provided right at the beginning of uh, characteristics of superhero films? There were three. And the last one was textiles. Boobies and textiles. Men in, <laughs> men in masks and, and capes. Women with anti-gravity breasts and synthetic textiles. <laughs> synthetic textiles. I'm glad that made the list. I have not seen the film. Oh. I must say. <clears throat> Primer, yeah. You're missing out. Yeah. Uh, this I is, watched uh, Dick Tracy. That's right. the movie that I've watched. Dick Tracy is like the primer of the 90s. What sets it apart is they actually add a fourth collar, blue. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. the prime colors. That's where the name comes from. That's true. It's um, the color that you put down before you put other colors down. Right. Jeremy, it's Jeremy, a painting pun. Have you seen Upstream Color? No, that's on my Netflix, but I haven't seen it yet. So I can't speak about its superhero qualities. It, it doesn't happen. Okay. <laughs> much like Primer. Much like yeah. Much, much like yeah. But so why didn't my super ex girlfriend make the list? Why, why isn't that on the top? Yeah. The one that taught you what it's like to stalk, right? And why yeah. it's wrong. Um, but it's interesting because it, it's a fairly real depiction of if you're being stalked by someone you don't, you know, want to deal with anymore. Mm -hmm. How horrifying of an event that is. But I mean, it's also just an ab, you know, an asinine. Uh, Superhero movie. So, huh. I had always assumed that the premise was that <clears throat> she was super powered and he was not, and that that caused him insecurities. But that's just totally wrong. Um, there's there's not, also that, right? A little. Yeah, I mean that comes up, but in a different format. The uh, um, British guy who is not Tim Curry um, kind of has <laughs> that issue with her. Yeah, is that um, um is that it's, the comedian? Is that Eddie Izzard? Yeah, it's the British guy who isn't Tim Curry or Ricky Gervais, and I think there's only three of them. <laughs> yeah, John Cleese. Oh yeah, it's John Cleese. That's right. Eric that's Idle, and 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 the one that died from AIDS. <laughs> that was so, John Cleese. So no one's going to talk about Masters of the Universe, is that? Well, I guess you are. No, I got nothing. <laughs> you already did. Yeah, yeah, that's. I thought the Unbreakable. That's a very good. That's a good yeah. uh, runner-up. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the kid. Do we have a, we have a sense of that? Have the we kicked? Have we kicked? They um, call me Mr. Glass. <laughs> <laughs> because my bones break like glass. Do we have, that was really vastly yeah. different Mr. Glass impressions. All accurate. Well, yeah. Do we think Emmett Shyamalan was never good, or do we think he just went bad? No. I mean, I, uh, he's done some good things. Um, I don't think he was never good, but he probably did his best work first and yeah. earliest. Yeah. And then he was a, good until the last know. five minutes of Signs. <laughs> yeah. That's, that you can see where, where he gets yeah. at. Yeah. At the end of at the end of Signs, I remember the whole film. I'd just been tricked. I'd watch just watched the others, and of course, then before that, Sixth Sense, and it was a lot of twist endings where the ending is more benign than you expect. So I just assumed that uh, you know the ending of Signs would be that the aliens were there to be their friend, and so I had about one minute where I realized the aliens were the enemy <laughs> before Joaquin Phoenix started to. <laughs> bat water all over them. Wow. You should have written the script. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a good thing that Mel Gibson's dead wife was there to tell them to hit the aliens with a bat. Yep. <laughs> yep. I would not have Swing thought of that. Away. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Do we think, do we think Christopher Nolan is, is becoming M. Night Shyamalan? No. No, I do. I do. Yeah, I mean, well, I you know what I realized about um, Nolan the other day is everything's very operatic, and that works yeah. if your themes are very boring. But I think if yeah, I don't know, it's just if I, feel like, has, well, I feel like he has one like gear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that romantic comedy that he's making though is going to be great. I think <laughs> that's his next project, right? A light romantic comedy. So yeah, my super ex girlfriend. Yeah. I think. What's, is, yeah. Is, is, no, what? Yeah, Rita Wilson and Dustin Hoffman. What's it? What's the title of that, Ryan? <laughs> Primer. <laughs> but it's about a grammar school teacher. teacher. It's, yeah. about, it's about a grammar school teacher. Yes. Yeah. In fact, it's called Primer. 
All right, well, now that we've put Christopher Nolan in his appropriate place, we probably wrapped up our first round. Uh, and you know what that means. That means it's time to come a little closer to the speaker. Mmm, that's it. I won't bite, unless that's what you want. Ooh, turn down the lights and get under the covers. Come with us into some tender confessions. <laughs> oh, you know we've all got secrets. And we're going to unburden ourselves of a few right here with you. Tender confessions. <laughs> hey, it's just between us. I trust you. Let me just unbuckle something, and we can get started. <laughs> Tender confessions. <laughs> Our first confession is, what's your favorite George Michael song? Nathaniel? Freedom? <laughs> is that mm, Plenty Tender. What about Lars? I want your sex. Ryan? Uh, when doves cry. <laughs> also tender. And all wrong. The correct answer is father figure. <laughs> Our next confession is, what's the most shocking thing you've substituted for toilet paper in a pinch? Nathaniel? Uh -huh. A teddy bear. It was actually that lock of Nathaniel's hair I took that one time. Sorry again. Um, my DVD copy of my super ex-girlfriend. <laughs> mm, all very tender but incorrect. The right answer is father figure. My <laughs> <laughs> next confession is, what's the most troubling thing you've eaten after it fell on the floor? Nathaniel? Cold cuts? Father figure. <laughs> a frozen human foot from Lars's freezer. I want to say chicken tenders? <laughs> mm, tender confessions. <laughs> well, I'm spent. And I know you're satisfied. There's some crumpled bills on the nightstand. Go ahead and call yourself a cab. Ooh. But make sure you come back next time for a few more... <laughs> Alright, well the good news is that's over. The bad news is we now all have multi-drug resistant chlamydia. <laughs> and not necessarily for the first time, right Lars? No. That wraps that up. Um, so it looks like we're moving now into our speed round. Speed round. And what we'll do here is we will uh, have a certain amount of time to respond to an impromptu prompt. Impromptu prompt? Yeah. <laughs> and our first one is, who are the people you would put in your ideal human centipede? <laughs> who are the people you would put in your ideal human centipede? I would like to see all the James Bond actors from best to worst. Oh, yeah. So Lazenby in, Lazenby in front, I think. Really? You know, yeah. A good La thing Lazenby. about that is I think he also is a vegan, so that's going to help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's going to help more who's coming up next. Okay. So I guess you're not, you're not in it. Is that the premise? No, you're no, in it. You're, oh, I see. You're in it. <laughs> I thought you were you were the mastermind behind it. You have to be. Uh, okay. Yeah, Ryan's actually kind of makes more sense than I think about. Yeah, well, yeah. I think realistically, okay. you're gonna observe it for a while, but ultimately, <laughs> right. you're gonna want to get in there. Yeah. Okay. 
so you're gonna sew yourself in that bitch. <laughs> you have to decide whether you go to the front or the back. Okay, so here's uh, J- Joan Jett, uh, George Jetson, and the offensive line of the New York Jets. <laughs> Fair enough. And the owners of the Alabama gas station chain, Jet Pep. Jet Pep. Yeah, Jet Pep. I don't know, you three? <laughs> Next podcast. Yep. I would, I would like to see... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, it'd be nice if Belle, Biv, and DeVoe got work. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust a big button a smile. <laughs> you know, uh, these three are good friends, though you wouldn't expect it, and what I would like to see is a circular... Mm. Uh, human centipede, right. where it's all everyone has their ass sewed to or, or sewed to a pair of lips, um, mm. and and the three are uh, Ann Coulter, uh, Bill Maher, and Joy Behar, <laughs> who are all just fantastic friends apparently. Yeah, wow. I think yeah, that would bring them together. Uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. <laughs> mm, just right. <laughs> Outside of, yeah, outside of the ring, I assume the cast of uh, How I Banged Your Mother is Spectre. <laughs> That's the one with Blossom, right? And Six. All right, well, I think we've tapped this vein. Let's move on to our second prompt. It's never going to sound right now. Uh, what are some impossible finalists in the Lay's Do Us a Flavor contest? That, of course, is the, I wouldn't say popular, but let's say known uh, thing that Lay's does on Facebook where you can suggest a flavor of their horrible potato chip. Mm-hmm. So what are some impossible finalists in the Lay's Do Us a Flavor contest? I would uh, say garlic and human tears. <laughs> uh, yeah, sour cream and adult onset diabetes. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe sewer-raised mutant turtle. Mm-hmm. Yes. A- abject poverty. Zoloft and Charles Shaw. <laughs> Like cardboard and cellophane. Uh-huh. Charles in charge and growing pains. Yeah. <laughs> Salt and pepper. <laughs> How about just sorrow? Yeah. Oh yeah. No. No. Yeah. That's that's they they took the garlic and tears and they're like too much with, garlic with ruffles or not on the sorrow. Kettle, kettle cooked sorrow. I think it would be a Taurus shape. <laughs> I think you might need the ruffle to catch the tears. I think that they slide right off the right. Uh, and and yeah, an Ouroboros-shaped anxiety-flavored <laughs> potato chip. How about Fritos? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's too far. Yeah, yeah. Doritos, Doritos-flavored. Uh huh. Perfect. And then pretty soon at Thanksgiving, the hot dish will be the Turflaken. Caligula. <laughs> Uh, Jared from Subway. <laughs> I would say Paula Dean butter and racism. Mm. Great. Yeah, I wonder how many of these a real thing and then a figurative thing combinations right. we yeah. can come up with. Yeah. No, I think uh, if you do that. Twelve. I think we come up with twelve. Dice and the joy of seeing your child for the first time. Ah. <laughs> Jalapeno and xenophobia. <laughs> Well, you know what they say about Lay's potato chips. Moving yes. right along. <laughs> um, I was going to say uh, barbecue and unrequited love. 
Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad we paused for that. Are there any more that we'd like to throw in? <laughs> Nobody. Uh. Okay. It looks like last then. Uh, uh, Jerk store. Is alternate names for the new dinosaur in Jurassic Park. Timely, uh, as if pulled from today's headline. <laughs> what are some alternate names for the new dinosaur in Jurassic Park? Sir Stops a lot. Mm-hmm. High Heelosaurus. Can you ex- explicate that? Yes, B. Well, that's the uh, Bryce Dallas, Dallas Bryce Howard, Howard Bryce mm. Dallas wears the um, the high Those heels parts. in the, in the film. Right. So this dinosaur also wears high. It's a girl dinosaur, and, and girls wear high heels, as we learned from the film. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That was a great follow-up question, Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, Gender bending Rex. <laughs> How about just Stegosaurus? What? Stegosaurus? Stegosaurus? No, no, Stegosaurus, the best yeah. one. Right. No, no. Is How that not a real thing? Dinosaurus. <laughs> How about a rapping dinosaur named Tyrannosaurus Rex in effects? Rex, Rex in effects. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're appropriately shamed to yourself. You better enjoy some of those lays, sorrow, and whatever. Yeah. Also, also, that was just a remix of the Wings theme song. <laughs> it turns and back out, in business from Dick Tracy. Every <laughs> sequence of notes is basically just a remix of the Wings theme song. Its, it's appeal is universal. God, I'm, I'm right there on that island with you, Brian. <laughs> Yeah. Brian? <laughs> so now to throw people off the scent, we're just going to do Thanks, Joel. <laughs> yeah, like a red, blue, and yellow Saurus. Yeah. Jingasaurus? A synonym yeah. spouting Saurus, the Thesaurus. Oh, yeah, yeah. How about just uh, Thomas? Perfect. Thomasaurus? No. That's kind of better. Not all dinosaurs have to be sori. Yeah, they do. With such a stereotype. Yeah. What about like polydactyl, and it's just a human that has that extra finger, but they lock him up and they force everybody to look at him. Like there's Tyrannosaurus Rex, Stegosaurus, and then a lonely man with a sixth finger. And and he eats goats. <laughs> he likes yeah, he, to hunt. He is the most dangerous one. H- human centipede tops? <laughs> This question's kind of irrelevant because who's going to be watching the dinosaur when they've got that eye candy? Chris Pratt. Grr. Yeah, that's right. Grr indeed. Yeah, I think he's going to have a long future in film. No, Grr was what the dinosaur was doing. Sexy Saurus Boner Rex. (laughs) Well played. Oh, boy. Well, I guess this is over. (laughs) Well, that's uh, all. That was all Latin. uh, Bene. It means terrible boner. <laughs> it means it's just priapism rex. Ferocious. Ferocious dog. It seems like to end up these rounds, we always end up talking about some kind of reptile dick. <laughs> What's our prime directive, if not that? Yeah. All right, so um, just like America pretty soon, it's time to vote. Uh, so we'll go in order, and we all know the rules here. I'll abstain um, unless it's necessary for me to uh, to jump in. 
that's my that's love life too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see, uh, Nathaniel, you go first. What's your uh, vote? Oh, let's see. I'm gonna go up and go with Ryan. Ryan this week. I'll go Jeremy Boom. this week. So it's up to me. No, it's not. I'm actually I'm gonna go Nathaniel for the Ninja Turtles, the post-humanist Ninja Turtles critique. So now that means Jeremy, yep. you are the one. Time to get your hands dirty. Yeah. At the risk of using your last name, it's Jeremy Renner's turn <laughs> to vote. Uh, which means I'm going to make some kind of sexist comment about Black Widow or whatever. I didn't pay that much attention. Um, and, and, you know, I, I thought all you guys made some decent points, but I think I'm going to have to also go with Nathaniel this time. Yes! And I will tell you why. Um, clearly this is something that means a lot to him. I could tell that not only had he invested this with Logos, but with a little bit of pathos as well. This was the argument he's been waiting a long time to make. <laughs> I hear a bunch of soft cooing sounds like someone's choking a kitten. <laughs> like someone's holding an adorable baby. What? There's <laughs> a baby a in the room. Deadbeat father. Did Jeremy Renner just have a baby? <laughs> let's oh. get that on the mic. This adorable soft cooing. Yeah, let's make that baby's first memory something vile. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what will this baby's first words be? What was your earliest childhood memory? I was surrounded by four and eight <laughs> jackasses with headphones on. My earliest memory was someone telling me not to remember this. <laughs> One of them said my first and last name. <laughs> All right. Well, Nathaniel, as our uh, triumphant winner, uh, that means you get to select the question for next time. We foolishly didn't prep that, so I will edit this to make it sound like you had one prepared. Yes, because um, I don't. Just off the cuff. Do it off the cuff. No, I don't want to do off the cuff. Because it's, it's going to be describe all the, what do we think the various penises of the RNC field look like this year. <laughs> Done. I think Jeb weirdly, has an octagon down there. Weirdly enough. No, it's an all, exclamation point, of course. Weirdly enough, they all have them, including the woman, and they're all white. <laughs> but none of them are attached. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, ooh, 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 ooh. You ready for this? What well, movie would teach a child the most about how the world works? Hmm, fantastic. All right, so thank you for joining us on the Agony Cast, although I don't really care that much. Um, please try and join us next time where things will probably be worse. Can, we, can, can I do the audience a favor? Yeah, of course. I'd like to send us out on the Wings theme song. <laughs> Call me Mr. Delight. <laughs> there it is.